Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, our worship team. Praise God for leading us to the throne of God's grace and mercy uh, once again. What a privilege it is for us to gather together as God's people, whether you're on campus or online. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Prayer is such an interesting thing. Uh, in many ways, it's a mysterious thing. It's a conversation with God, and sometimes it's by ourselves, just us and God, and sometimes we pray as a group. And there are all sorts of different aspects of prayer that every year as I grow up as a Christian, I learn more about prayer. And not just like a theological, mind, cognitive, factual learning sort of thing, but sort of an everyday experiential living the life of the Christian, the life of Christ and his people, sort of learning about prayer. And I don't know about you, but some of the most powerful moments of my life have been uh, when others have prayed for me. Uh, sometimes it's just been like one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, sometimes it's been a group of people who have gathered around and prayed for me. Uh, sometimes it's just been I'll text out, you know, to my closest friends in the faith. And there's something about being prayed over, being prayed for being prayed with, something about it works. It doesn't mean that I will always have an answer to the prayer that I'm expecting, that it will go the way I want it to or the way I think it should. Sometimes that happens. But from my experience, it's always been good when God's people pray for me. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, some of the hardest times of my life, the prayers of righteous people, I would say, have saved me. Maybe not from the circumstances I'm in, but to have an ability to live and to exist and be in the midst of those circumstances. I would say their prayers have been effective. They've been powerful. And so I want you to think, have you ever had something like that? If you're on campus, raise your hand. Have you ever had someone where they've prayed over you? I just want to has someone ever prayed for you? Okay. Maybe it was from a distance, you know. Maybe you just put this, the request in, and someone that you don't even know is praying for you. Maybe a group of people have gathered around you. Maybe it's just one person has prayed with you. Uh, maybe you've come up like we used to do after communion. We would pray right over here in the corners. Our elders would pray with people. Maybe someone just called you on the phone, prayed with you. Maybe at home or maybe in the midst of everyday life, a Christian friend, a fellow Christian says, hey, can I pray for you? And it sort of made me think, as I was thinking about prayer, I would like you to think, if you could have anyone pray for you right now, who would you choose? Now, I have some go-to people when I need prayer. I can text them, or I can call them on the phone, and they will pray for me on the spot. I know they will. And there are some people that... You just want them, right? You want them to pray for you. You respect them. You admire them so much. that I, There's some people in my life that is like, if, you, if they would pray for me anytime, I would just love it. It would be like a gift from God, right? Because there's something that is powerful and effective to have someone pray for you and pray over you. So think about it. If you could pick anyone to pray for you right now, who would it be? And maybe you could expand your mind a little bit, expand your circle to include anyone Maybe if it was any, someone that has died. I mean, I can think of a spiritual mentor in my life who is with the Lord now. He died, you know, seven or so years ago. And what I would give for him to be alive, to ask him advice, 
and to have him pray for me. What if it could be anyone? What if it could be someone in the Bible? What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, could come and pray for you right now? You know the Magnificat, that she knows how to pray, right? Or Zechariah, or Anna the prophet, or Simeon, or even St. John, who our church is named after. What if they would come and pray for you right now? If you could pick anyone in the world who could pray for you now, who would it be? How about Jesus? Anybody want to pick Jesus? That's a good Sunday school answer. Raise your hand if you want Jesus to come pray for you right now, all right? Okay, for those of you not raising your hand, we'll talk afterwards. But what if he tapped you on the shoulder right now and he said, can I pray for you? You'd be like, yeah, right? Because Jesus, he knows how to pray. Right? Mark 1.35, we even have the scriptures to prove it. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He's an early morning prayer, right? He would pray throughout the day. He prayed at the night as well. Sometimes he prayed all night. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. Anybody ever done that before? We should probably put that on our bucket list. Me too. If you ever wanted anyone to be praying for you, it would probably be Jesus, right? The Son of God. I mean, if anyone's close to God the Father, it's Jesus, right? Well, I've got good news for you, my friends, today. In John chapter 17, we see that through it all, That's our sermon series. Through it all, Jesus was faithful in prayer. In the beginning of John chapter 17, we see Jesus actually praying for himself, that he might glorify his Father in giving eternal life to the world. And then he prays for his disciples. He prays for their protection, for their holiness, for their set-apartness, for their mission, for their sending. And then in our text today that we're going to look at, 2,000 years ago, Jesus reaches through time and history. And he taps us on the shoulder this morning and says, I'm going to pray for you now. And I hope that every one of us this morning feels the tap of Jesus on our shoulder. He says, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, Jesus, nearly 2,000 years ago, praying for you, praying for us, praying for you and me. And I'm going to give you the context a little bit. It was Thursday evening, the night on which Jesus was going to be betrayed, handed over to his enemies, deserted by his friends, tried, convicted, ultimately crucified. And knowing that all is to come, all that he's about to endure, Jesus gathers his closest friends. He offers them words of hope, words of encouragement, and then he prays for them, his disciples. He prays that they would endure the challenges that's come in their way. He prays that they would discover strength in their unity. He prays that they will be drawn together as one, just as Jesus and the Heavenly Father are one. And then not only does he pray for them, but he prays for us. John 17, verse 20, says, My prayer is not for them alone, my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's where we come in. We are in this church this morning, whether we're on campus or whether you're online. We're here right now because someone told us about Jesus. Maybe it was a parent or a friend or a grandparent or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a worship leader or a VBS volunteer or a neighbor or a stranger in a grocery store. Someone told us about the good news of Jesus Christ, that in Jesus we see that God loves all, loves every human being. And motivated by this life-giving good news reality of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we came to believe. We came to have faith. We came to trust 
We came to entrust our lives to Him. And the powerful thing about that is that someone told the person who told us, right? And someone told the person that told that person, and someone told the person that told that person, and so on and so on, all the way back to the very prayer of Jesus that we're looking at at John 17 this morning. And to the testimony of those disciples. I mean, those disciples, they were afraid. They were afraid when Jesus was going to the cross on Good Friday. They were afraid on Easter morning, but nevertheless, they went out. They ventured out of the closed room in the promise of the resurrection. They began to share the good news of Jesus with everyone. And so when Jesus prays in John chapter 17, not only for those disciples, but also for those who will believe because of them, he's praying for those first Christians. He's praying for the disciples that they preach to, and he's praying for every single Christian since, all the way up to you and me and the whole diverse group of followers of Jesus who are gathered throughout the world this morning, gathered at the foot of the cross. You see, sometimes the Bible... It can feel like it's a story that's like very old about people living so long ago and we might just start to wonder like is this really relevant for us today but today in John 17 we're reminded a little door is opened up that we're able to go into the story and we're reminded that we are recipients of God's love and that we are active participants in the ongoing work of God's will of his prayer and his love for the whole entire world. In fact, on that huge night, that Thursday night before his arrest, Peter's denial, the high priest, Pilate, suffering, crucifixion, Jesus pauses. He takes time to pray for us. He reaches through time. He reaches through history, through his word, through his communication to us, and he taps us on the shoulder and says, I'm praying for you. And what's the nature of his prayer for you? John 17, verse 21, he's saying, I'm praying that all of them, all of them, maybe one, Heavenly Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. From 2,000 years ago, Jesus has been praying for a unity. He's praying for a family connection of the highest order, of the healthiest order, because the Father and the Son, they are united. There is an eternal love in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect love, divine love, parent to child, child to parent. Think about that for a moment. Think about the best family that you've ever had a chance to see or to know or be included into. There's belonging there. There's love there. There's respect there. There's honesty. There's communication. There's connectedness. There's solidarity. There's oneness in purpose and love. So much that not only does love flow into the family, it flows outside of the family. Jesus has that with the Father. And he's praying 2,000 years ago that not only his disciples, but everyone who comes after his disciples, including us, would have that family unity, that family connection, that deep unity with each other and with God the Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. He wants it for us. He's praying for it for us. And he wants that for us not only because it's great for us, But he has a purpose in this unity. He continues in his prayer in 21, verse 21 of 17. He says, may they also be in us, that's united in this God-like family, so that what? So that the world, the world, 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's every human being. Believe that Jesus is sent from the Father, and if you believe that he's sent from the Father, you believe everything that he says. And we see that Jesus in his prayer, he's going beyond himself. He's going beyond his disciples. He's going beyond his disciples, disciples, disciples to all the humanity, all the world. And this is nothing new to us, right? John 3, 16, right? It says, for God so loved what? The world. That he gave his one and only son. And Jesus keeps on praying. He keeps on praying for our unity, rooted in God's great love for him and for us. In, in verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, Father that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and the world will know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. That's his end game. Jesus' prayer and his desire is that the whole world would know the love of the Heavenly Father and that they would know it through our unity gathered in the room today and online, our church, that the world would know the love of God through the unity of the body of Christ. And Jesus keeps praying for us. He says it again in verse 24. He says, Heavenly Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. I want them to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus wants us to have his glory, to share in it, to experience the love of the Heavenly Father from before the foundation of the world. And he keeps going. He's praying for unity with his disciples. And of all of us who follow verse 25, he says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. And I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. There's about seven sermons in this text. It's huge and powerful. But I hope that this morning you can see how powerful for this, this prayer is for us. Jesus was about to be crucified. He was about to be beaten. He was about to be whipped. He was about to be mocked. He was about to be shamed. He was about to be humiliated. He was about to be stripped. The weight of injustice and oppression would slam down upon his head, nailed in through his flesh, pierced into his side on the eve of all that cup of wrath that he was about to drown in. He pauses. He prays for his disciples. He prays for us. He prays for the world. He prays for you. Father, let them know your great love. Bring them into our family, Lord. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow, by, by worldly standards at the time, Jesus was a failure. He had little to show for what he was trying to accomplish. He had this small number of followers, 12 really dedicated, but one bailed on him and he only had 11 left. And he prayed for them. And he prayed for everyone that they would reach. And 2,000 years later, 2.3 billion people follow Jesus. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We're here today because of Jesus and his prayer for us. I hope you feel that this morning on your shoulder. Jesus is coming, tapping you on the shoulder, 
He's praying for you 2,000 years ago, right before he died for you, right before he rose from the grave for you. And he's been praying for you ever since. St. Paul said it in Romans chapter 8. He says, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's right now, praying for us. It's really nice when someone prays for you, right? Especially the Son of God. But I think Jesus wants us to take, a, take us another step further this morning for all of us. I think he doesn't want it to be just about us and about someone praying for me. I think he wants to think of us to think about our own prayers. And I hope that today that we will move out from here and we will pray for our own disciples. Every one of us in this room has a disciple. Because what's a disciple? It's someone that God has given to us or has entrusted to our care. Someone that he's called us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to love with the love of the Heavenly Father. You have someone in your life like that. You have far more than you probably know. And I pray that today and this week and from here on out, you will pray deeply for them, deeply from the heart, even if you're about to be crucified the next day, that you will pray for them and you will pray for all those they will reach all those they will tell about the love of the Father, the divine love of God in Jesus Christ. And that together we will pray for a unity in the church that transcends all division and a unity that shows the love of the Heavenly Father to the world so that all may believe. I think that's a unity for all of us to yearn for. It's a unity for us to long for. And it's for sure a unity for us to pray for. Amen? Amen. Amen.